we all have different ways that we find calm and comfort and maybe some people have to explore a little to figure out that out but do it this is the time to do it we have this trend even not in times of COVID-19 like where who has a flu or has a cold who consciously put on a mask to avoid um, infecting others yeah so I think this this habit has been built in and uh, this is working quite well in times of urgency like that Hi, I'm Brent Love, and this is You and Me and Everyone We Know, an audio diary made by everyday people living through the COVID-19 pandemic. Whether you're listening to this right now or you're a guest on this podcast, you are part of a community. You are not alone. Thank you for taking time to listen, time to connect, and time to remember that we are all in this together. This is episode 21, and today we're talking to Sarah and Leslie. Sarah works in HR at a Minneapolis tech company, and Leslie is a writer and a journalist in Hong Kong. We're starting today's episode talking to Sarah. Sarah is the first friend that I made when I moved to Minneapolis nearly a decade ago. She and her husband Thomas live in Minneapolis, and when Sarah and I talked on March 27th, we were still in the middle of everything changing. She and I talked over Zoom, which was becoming a household name overnight. And like old friends do, I noticed her new haircut right away. I love your short hair. I do too. It looks so cute. I love it too. It's not Thomas's favorite, but I love it. I think it looks so cute. And Thomas. He's the only other person (laughs) whose opinion matters. (laughs) He actually doesn't mind it short. He just doesn't love the bangs. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know... I, I can imagine haircuts that he could choose that you wouldn't like. So, you know, I I love it because it's curlier. So, Kesara, Sara. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's fine with it. He's <laughs> like, do whatever you want to do. Live your life. Yeah. Uh, well, you your hair tolerates. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't showered. I have a showering problem, Sarah. <laughs> I have a, I have a showering problem. Uh, I don't do it. Right now. <laughs> but don't you normally have a showering problem? Like just being no, a dad? No. Oh, like okay, being a dad. Sorry. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were making cheese. Yes. No. <laughs> I was like, um, have you thought this way about me our entire friendship? And I just didn't know. No, can uh, I share a little memory that I have that I don't yeah. know Carly will like? Oh boy, okay. Fine. Okay, good. Uh just that when you started <laughs> dating and he like started spending the night. He would like go through your closet and there would just be Mm -hmm. like stuff on the floor in the closet and you're like, what is he doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think of you as like a pretty, not like OCD neat, but like a pretty neat guy. Right. And like, I I like to um, feel in control of my environment, which can be messy as long as I know where things are. Yeah. 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 So, um, yes, Charlie did wear my clothes when we started dating. That wasn't so bad. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um so uh how's COVID-19 life? Um I feel like we've like pretty easily Thomas and I at least found a routine. I work from Good. home somewhat like at least one day a week, sometimes two days a week. So that was already, you know, I was pretty used to that and um I don't know, we've kind of found a rhythm. Like he doesn't have as much work to do from home. And so he's been doing a lot more of the cooking, which he does anyway, but 
um, just taking care of some of those things, which is really uh-huh. nice. Cause also, I get really focused on my work and he's good about like, hey, I think it's time to eat now, Sarah. Like, don't forget to eat. <laughs> so, good. Yeah. Good. And we've been going for walks in the evenings, most evenings, I would say. Um, yeah. And... I don't know. We both have stuff we like to do and we'll watch movies like everybody else is doing. And I finally got back, not got back to started a hobby that I haven't, that's kind of been sitting on my table now for a few months from a Christmas present Thomas gave me, which is like a kind of a kit to start micro macrame. Micro macrame. Can you tell me about this? Yeah. So it's basically like all the same knots that you would do with, typical 70s macrame but with really really small cord and you would make like jewelry okay so uh where can i see this i'm gonna show you a picture ooh, 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 ooh. show me a picture show me a picture this is a little example <gasps> oh it's so pretty oh it's my god probably not what i would make but this book is gonna help me learn how to do all the knots and then i'm hoping if i get good enough then i'll just kind of like figure out my own patterns is the goal Excellent. And then you're going to sell them. I don't know. If I'll be... Well, you've sold, you've, you got, you didn't know how you're going to do with pottery and you've sold pottery. So that's true. I sucked at pottery when I first started like pretty yeah, badly. And now you're good at it. Now I'm like decent. Okay. Now you make things that are beautiful. So whatever <laughs> the judgment is, you have made beautiful things that are both Functional and beautiful and purchasable and people have purchased them. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, but I so think, I think that makes you an artist who sold work. Congratulations. And thanks. I think macro, micro macrame people go to what's your Instagram handle? I like actually don't it's know. Just, what it is. It's nothing interesting. It's Sarah S 209. The 209 was my dorm room number in Lithuania. Oh, excellent. Okay, That's when so, I first opened my first Hotmail account. So you need to go to at Sarah S 209 to find Sarah's micro macrame, which is going to be available for purchase probably at the next holiday season. I bet you're good enough at it by the next holiday <laughs> season, especially if this quarantine stuff uh, goes on too long. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. It, I'm discovering it's kind of a long process, so we'll see. Okay, so how uh, you you are a social bird. So how are you doing, you know, without being able to like see people and give them a hug? Like you're, you know, you're usually hanging out with your friends. Yeah. And any given week. So Thomas is bearing the brunt of most of it. Like good thing he learned early on in my relationship, how affectionate that I am mm-hmm. and how much I literally hug him. And actually five minutes ago asked for a hug. We stood up. And I've told him this is like, I've told him this since we've known each other. This is my favorite place to be. Like, it is the best place to be. Getting a hug from Thomas. So he um, thankfully already knows that about me and is, um, he's not particularly that way himself. I think he's gotten a little bit more that way since being around me. Um, And so he's, he's bearing the brunt of most of it. Um, in terms of the affection and the hugs and stuff. But um, I don't know. People are getting creative. You know, I have actually, four of my best college friends, we get together every year, Memorial Day weekend. So we'll see if this 
trip to Seattle happens in end of May. But um, in between that, at least I would say four times a year, we have um, Google Hangout talks and they'll last like three hours long. So we had one of those on Sunday and it just flies by like no time, just like three hours pass. It doesn't even feel like it. So I, you know, I've been having some of those and a friend of mine is having quarantini hour every Thursday night. <laughs> um, so we get on the phone and or uh, with a zoom and do that. Um, so, and like, I don't know, it's fun to just go out and walk in the neighborhood too and even see people. And we keep running into our neighbors on walks um, we haven't seen people all winter and now we are. And fortunately it has to be from a distance, but it's been really wonderful to see some of our, uh, some of our neighbors. Um, and we know them actually quite well. So it's been fun to see them. I don't know. That's do you, how, how I'm getting through it, I guess. Do you like stay, you know, stay the required distance apart and all that? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like six feet is just a net. I think six feet is just enough awkward <laughs> where you're like, you wouldn't normally ever stand quite that far apart. I don't think unless you're like across the fence. Yeah. It's like basically like on one end of the table and the other. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's an awkward like distance to have like a personal, like intimate, not just like to feel like you're sharing a, a space with someone. Yeah. Like that's a pretty far distance, especially if there's just like, air between you and you're like out in a yard or something. Yeah. I'm that person in like, I run our onboarding for our company and I'm that person. Like if I'm running a session in a conference room that kind of has chairs pretty spread out and people spread themselves out, I'm like, no, 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 no. Come sit next to me. Like, let's all sit at the same end of the table. This just feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. It feels very strange. Um, and like, I don't like it when I'm out walking and I feel like I need to like go to the other side of the street or something or like walk in someone's yard. Yeah. 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 To avoid people. I've had, I've had, I've seen definitely people cross the street when they see us coming like half a block away. Some, and plenty of people will just walk by it like quickly. Yeah. Creating space on the sidewalk. And also I think one thing that's to me, what feels a little bit more strange is it feels like some people are um, like they won't even make eye contact. Like they think they're going to get sick by making eye contact when they walk yeah. by you. Um, but I, I wonder if it's just the feeling of like not knowing, um, like knowing the rules. <laughs> maybe. I think, you know, when people are closing their eyes and stuff, it maybe it's just like you don't know what the social norms are, you know, or like, and so it's just kind of putting a wall up so that you don't have to do this awkward, like, what do we do now? You know? Yeah. I think with strangers. And I also attribute it a lot of that just to stress and yeah. for some people and um, who knows what their situation is. I feel really fortunate. I've got a job. I can work full time from home, like no problem. Um, we've got food, we've got a roof over our heads. I've got yeah. health insurance. So I don't have same, some of the stresses that a lot, a lot of people have. So when I'm out on a walk, I feel free to like smile at people, like make that yeah. eye contact. And I don't know, maybe let them know, like someone's noticing you 
yeah. walking by, like, I don't know, just a moment of connection because we're all not having very much connection. Yeah, I feel weird. So I've been to the park a couple of times, like the uh, last couple of days. Um, go to a park where I know there's not going to be a ton of people um, where like Phoebe can just run around. And I have noticed myself kind of watching other people to see if they're going to come close to me uh-huh. and really hoping they don't, which I think honestly is probably what I would normally do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, don't come near my kid. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But like now it's like, I'm almost like watching and imagining and like, I see a per. let's say I see like a mom and two kids. I'm imagining a scenario where they get too close to me and I have to do something about it, you know, mm-hmm. where I have to like ask them to move away or um, a kid, one of their kids comes running up and I have to like pick up my kid and then call out to the mom or whatever. And I did have a situation yesterday where this couple was out with uh, their two pit bulls and one of them ran full speed at my two-year-old daughter and barking and Phoebe was just standing there and I had just seen this dog with one of those big rope toys like flinging it around like a you know like they would with a dead animal right and and then and it was running and I screamed out um you know, I think stop or something and then ran and scooped her up mm-hmm. and the dog stopped like maybe six feet away. And then the owners of the dog didn't say anything to me though. There was a, it was a man and a woman and the woman like put her hand up in front of like, like a, you know, kind of a s- sorry or an acknowledgement kind uh-huh. of gesture. Um, and I, you know, I, I wanted to say something like, this is not an off leash park. You know, this is not a dog park. Um, and also like the, and then the man in the couple was just like, started cursing and this is, what? yeah, he got really upset and it was like, he, cause he, I think he had been calling to the dog and the dog wasn't responding. And then it was like, this, this is such the worst bleeping break. I just want to go home now. Like, this oh. is stupid. It is, and I think he's embarrassed and then like mad at the dog and, mm-hmm. and like, I, but I could tell also, I, I feel like it was just like mounting stress mm-hmm. and it was the kind of scenario where like, I don't know. I find myself kind of bracing for these kinds of things and it's making me feel, it's, I don't know. It's making me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. That would make me feel that way too. I mean, I think we don't, we often don't show our stress out in public. Yeah. So to like, you kind of got, um, you were let in on almost an intimate moment. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. And I also was like, you know, we're all under stress. Let them go on their way. I don't need to yell out to them for any reason. But mm-hmm. I do find myself walking around kind of feeling not suspicious of people. It's not the right word, but anxious mm-hmm. that I'm going to be in an in a, in a encounter that I don't want to be in. Mm-hmm which is a weird feeling these days. Yeah, I guess I haven't, I haven't really been out much except to walk in the neighborhood. We don't really have, we have parks really nearby, like the river. You said the river, right? Yeah, and we went on Sunday, and there was a lot of people out, actually. Yeah. Um, people were trying to keep their distance, and um, I, I was semi-surprised, but it was nice. Oh, it was sunny. Um. Yeah, it's almost like the parks are busier sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the heck? 
I'm really curious to see if people are going to embrace some of their experience later on after this is all over. So Mm -hmm. the two things I keep thinking about are, are they going to spend less time in front of screens and more time outside? Are they going to like find value and joy in that? And then also there's just like not a way for us to pack up our lives with um, events and um, classes and all sorts of things right now, mm-hmm. especially like evenings. Let's say if you're working a regular nine to five job and then typically maybe you go hang out with friends and you do this and that all good things. But um, I wonder if people will put in a little more padding and buffer time in their days, like let pack them less if they'll find any like, yeah, you know, like, ah, oh, it feels actually nice to not to be scheduled from like morning till night. I think there are like, I, I, there's definitely two, well, there's lots of experiences going on, but I can sense in my community, there's really two kind of groups of people. And there are people who feel like people whose jobs are at risk or have already, they've already lost them mm-hmm. in the last two weeks. And, and then there are people who are feeling more secure in the in their life for whatever reason. And I feel like among the people who are feeling a little bit more secure, there's this, I, I am kind of getting this sense of relief, hmm. you know, that there's like so fewer obligations and social <laughs> obligations. Uh-huh. Like, I could see that. The, like there aren't happy hours to go to. There aren't like networking things to do. There are, you know, there aren't clubs to go be part of or classes to go to or any, you know, there's no carpe diem, carpe diem thing to, you know, it's mm-hmm. like it, you have to live a lot smaller. And I think there is a sense of relief to that. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you say, it's like a point of privilege to be thinking about things that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but even, um, I mean, Listen, I'm not, I don't, my, I don't have a lot of work right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but even that I'm like, I'm very happy with the quietness of things right now. It feels like the right thing, especially in this time to be quiet and to be listening and to be paying attention to the people, my family, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm so tuned into my kids right now and to Charlie mm-hmm. and that feels good. Yeah. It feels when, really good. When we get time concentrated like this and where nobody else really has any other focus either. And nobody can take them away. Yeah. They're not obligated anywhere else. Yeah. You know, Charlie is working. Um, and, and mm-hmm. so he, he does have to spend time, you know, on his job and, um, but he's here and, we're we've never had this many meals together and (laughs) we will have breakfast lunch and dinner together (laughs) all of us it's awesome it's so cool and uh yeah that's really wonderful okay i have something that i've been i was like okay sarah's the right person to talk to about this because you won't think that i'm weird okay we went to the cemetery that's not the weird part okay because i was like the cemetery no one's gonna be there that's a great idea yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. 
Mm-hmm. It's peaceful. It's calm. Which helps did you, you connect go to, to the Lakewood one? Which mm-hmm. one? Did you, yeah, that's a beautiful cemetery. It's so beautiful. There's a bunch of dead people hanging out that gives you a lot of good perspective because they don't care. Yep. No judgment. They're good. Them. Yeah, they're like live your life because mm-hmm. we're we're living our death and mm-hmm. we're good. You know, mm-hmm. walk around. Um, gets so good perspective. Really beautiful. So we're there. We're walking around, and I had this moment where I had this urge to hug a tree. And I'm like a tree huggering kind of person. I like I can go up and hug a tree. I've hugged trees in my life. It's not that I don't hug every tree, but I hug a tree every once in a while. And I walked up to this tree and I wrapped my arms around it. I put it, it was really old, really big, and had that kind of like deep bark, you know, where like the ridges are really pronounced. So I get my fingers like in the bark and I'm like pulling myself against the tree. It felt so good it felt so good to hug the tree and it was almost like i haven't hugged anyone in a long time and i was i didn't want to let go like i just held it and held it and held it and i could feel you know when you hug someone and you can feel your chest press against them while you're breathing? Yeah. And it kind of like squeezes your ribs in a funny way. And it's like pressure and it feels really good. So good. And I just like held the tree for like minutes went by. Even now talking about it, it felt, I'm like, it just felt so good. It's so calming, right? Yeah. I'm tearing up, which is why Brent can see me, but the rest of you can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, we're okay. It really makes me want to hug you, Brent. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <sighs> okay, yeah. I, I just... This is hard. And I was so surprised by how I felt. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've hugged many trees in my life. (laughs) But this was different. This was like, I needed it. Yeah. And you knew it. Like, and you gave that to yourself. Yeah. I don't know. And I feel like the tree gave it to me. Mm -hmm. There it was, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like we should both go to Lakewood Cemetery. Uh huh. And go hug trees. We'll stand far apart. And then you hug a tree over there, and I'll hug a tree over here. (laughs) We'll just have a little cry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I miss people. I'm, I'm really missing people. Are you, how are you feeling like you've set up all these interviews? Is that fulfilling any of what, like, you need and want yeah or, yeah yeah i mean l- l- talking to people it's the craziest coolest thing um that people are so generous with their stories and with mm. with what they have to say and what they want to offer um the encouragement or just the perspective that they have mm-hmm. um but also like we're at a time where 
everyone has an interesting story. And I think maybe more so, I, I kind of have always believed that everyone has an interesting story. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone alive. Yep. And I think one of the parts of this virus that's giving us a sense of shared humanity is it's revealing that we all have a unique, important, particular perspective of what's happening, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I'm getting to hear that. And yeah. I, and I hope that people, everybody. yeah, I hope that people listening are getting to hear it. You know, my, that's, that's the goal, you know, to, wherever you're sitting, you have something to say about what's happening. Something that is important and true. And if you say it and you share it, it does help other people feel less alone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. So many things that are difficult. Um, we actually, um, put together this like, anti-stress toolkit for our employees what was in that um it was some resources on some like i i don't know i've dealt with my own stress as an adult and it seems to just be that as i get older i get stressed out more easily i thought as i got older i'd be less stressed because i have more stuff figured out but this turns out that's not how (laughs) life is happening for me I got a list from, I, I'm in this writing cohort and I got a list from a, one of the writers um, who, I don't know where she got the list. I think from a therapist she's connected to. And one of the items on the list was to make an anti-stress emergency kit, mm-hmm. which would be full of um, sensory objects that are calming to you. So I think, you know, uh, an essential oil is very typical of like, mm-hmm. you know, a calm, like lavender or something, but also recommended objects that matter to you in a really deep and profound way. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe something connected to your past that you, that really brings you a lot of peace and comfort, maybe to someone in your past, like a parent or a friend and um, a photo mm-hmm. of a happy day in your life. Uh, stuff like this, like, and I was like, and and specifically, the list was for you know this pandemic time. Yeah. Um, and I loved that. I liked that idea. Boy, for me, a lot of that would be photos. Like, just I can get lost in photos from my past, and just l- reliving the memories makes me so happy. Yeah. Um, and I liked the idea of like a kit that was really like meant to kind of suck you back into the time Mm -hmm. where uh, to feel the self that you are when you're calm and when you're fulfilled, you know, kind of like these items that like take you back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Photos really do that for me actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really strongly. I don't, I don't, maybe they do that for others the same way. I'm sure that sure it does, but, um, I, I can still like even my first photo on my one of my first photos on my phone when I had an iPhone or got an iPhone is of like you and me. Actually, a lot oh. of my first photos of, are of us because we were at a wild game. 
And another photo is like, um, we went to the Suvac. We went to like some little fundraiser at the Suvac gallery. And the bear with the, with the bow. Yes. And the bear with the bow. And, um, I have another memory of like early photos of, um, I think we were packing up the ARC office at Loring Park. Uh huh. And for whatever reason, you had this ginormous, um, black garbage bag on your head, but you'd blown it up. So it was forming this like huge shape <laughs> on your head. I don't know if you remember that. For whatever reason, the reason is probably that I am kind of a kooky character. <laughs> that is probably the reason. Those are all some of my very earliest photos oh. on my phone. This um, is doing it for me. This is like it's taking me to a time and a place where I felt calm and at ease and happy. We also, another early photo is of putting your Ikea couch together. <sighs> what wow <laughs> which i still have in the playroom awesome it's such a great couch it's such a great couch charlie doesn't like it but i'm like it's the perfect couch yeah. i'm sorry it's like <laughs> yeah it's a perfect couch i know fast furniture is not is the way of the old days but um yeah anyway i um also i didn't have an iphone i didn't have a smartphone then so i don't have any photos of that stuff yeah yeah but i have the, i think i have the bear in the I mean, maybe you sent me the there and I should send a few too, just in case. Painting. Um, okay, so uh, I feel like this is a really stressful time. I think that we need to go to the cemetery and hug some trees mm-hmm. and feel the wisdom of of the people. I wouldn't. I want to say ancestors, but they might not be any of our ancestors, but certainly the city's ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good plan and also maybe make these emergency kits. I need to make one. Someone, another thing that we actually had in this anti-stress kit was, and, um, thinking of like a preparation thing was actually a suggestion to put together a health plan. So if you get sick, what's your plan? So that when you get sick, which most of us will probably at some point, but hopefully further down the road when the health care system is better prepared um you know where you're gonna go you know what clinic you're gonna go to or um you have your thermometer out and ready and you have your tylenol in you know where your tylenol is and uh, because for some people putting that in place at least helps them feel like it's almost like preparing your your um you know bag to go to the hospital when you're gonna deliver baby <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like just having that ready at the door. Um which I thought was really interesting and I think for some people that could really give them some peace of mind yeah. like okay, if if and when this happens I know what I'm doing. Yeah, that's a good know. idea. It's a good idea. Um okay, love okay. you. Love uh, you too. Wait, before I always ask this question at the end, do you have any words of encouragement for anyone listening who might need some? Hmm. Don't be afraid to smile at people when you're walking by them out for your evening walk or morning jog. Don't be afraid to make eye contact. Um, And um, I think everyone just needs to do what they know they need, whether it's like hugging a tree and you like need to feel that and you need to feel the bark under your fingers. You need to feel that pressure on your chest. Um, 
we all have different ways that we find calm and comfort and maybe some people have to explore a little to figure out that out but do it this is the time to do yeah, it this is the time mm-hmm. in the last part of this episode we're talking to leslie Leslie is a writer in Hong Kong and a correspondent for A City Made by People, an internet publication and global network for city enthusiasts. Leslie founded their Hong Kong chapter, and through that network, she's in contact with people all around the world living through their own pandemic stories. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I put out the invitation to anyone and everyone that they can be part of the podcast, that you could be part of the podcast if you wanted. Yes, you, listener. Leslie took me up on the offer, and I was so excited that she did. We were finally able to connect on May 8th, and honestly, it was so nice to talk with someone feeling so much more at ease about the pandemic than I was. Off we go. Off we go. And we're uh, welcome to the podcast, Leslie. Thank you very much for having me. I'm um, so glad to be talking to you. I'm really excited about this, particularly because you're the first person that's going to be on the podcast that I'm meeting right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's kind of a pseudo life. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, pretty fun. Um, so I, I think my first question for you is, um, what is your life like right now um, in Hong Kong with the pandemic and how have things changed for you? Mm. Um, actually, if, uh, daily life has been for me pretty much the same and not much changed, even though we have had several months of pandemic right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the story actually starts in um, early February. At that time, I was scheduled to go to a business trip. And uh, at that time, you know, the, the situation isn't that um, severe yet, even around Asia. Um, the more cautious ones in Hong Kong, including our colleagues, have already been thinking, or oh, maybe airport isn't a good place to go to and uh, meet a lot of travelers and, and people you're not sure where they're from. And, and so uh, a lot of uncertainties there. And so uh, at that time, I, I raised my boss, uh, maybe I won't go this time. Let's see. And so at that time, um, I, I canceled my trip. And mm-hmm. uh, but afterwards, uh, my boss herself um, has scheduled her trip as well. But um, she's rather bold and, and not afraid, and uh, she still went. And but at that time, um, um, she was going to Malaysia, and uh, just after, uh, just at the time when she's about to return to Hong Kong, Malaysia has that lockdown policy, and um, she's kind of. Um, stranded there and she was oh, frantic- wow. uh, frantically uh, looking for ways to get back to Hong Kong as soon as possible and and also at that juncture Hong Kong is about to implement um, a 14-day home quarantine policy so whoever that returns to Hong Kong needs to stay at home for 14 days and with mm-hmm. that with a, a special app and a hand band on um, for tracking and then um, so so my boss is a really different experience all that um, strange and confusion um, between the like, traveling restrictions and and so she's the one that has been forced to uh, kind of stay at home but but everyone else uh, at our team we are working pretty much normally and we go to office and I think it's um, 
because we in Hong Kong um, try to keep things normally. And mm. as long as we wear face masks, as long as we um, consciously, you know, avoid handshakes or, you know, touching and we are, uh, we, and we'll also have daily news. We're reporting a press conference every day, reporting the cases um, confirmed or suspected. And so we, we know exactly where those people were, uh, where mm-hmm. they've been to, um, which bar they've been to and uh, which hotel they were staying. So we are very much transparent in a sense. So um, at that time, we are able to keep track of you know, all those information and all those um, changes and updates every day. So we, we are trying to um, you know, work and live normally just with the face mask on and, and consciously avoiding um, certain places or, or meeting big crowds of people. But, but other than that, um, it's been working quite well. Um, Hong Kong, even though it's a city of more than 7 million people and a very dense city, um, recently I just checked the statistics. It's around a little more than a thousand cases wow. and just a handful of deaths, like four, four or five. So um, it's pretty amazing. And uh, I think that's really due to our, our creativity to handle the situation. We've been very adaptable and and we are all very health conscious in the sense that we all wear face masks we have this um we have this trend even not in times of COVID-19 like where who has a flu or has a cold we consciously put on a mask to avoid um, infecting others yeah so I think this this habit has been built in and uh, this is working quite well in times of urgency like that you know, um, it's interesting that you talk about um, wearing a face mask, and that's very um, accepted. And I mean, is that right? It's very accepted and kind of uh, mm. normal right now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, so, not wearing a mask is not accepted. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happens yeah. if you see someone, you know, someone comes to the office and they're not wearing a mask right now? Um. No one has been has been doing that like so far. I, <laughs> you haven't I seen mean, anyone like, without a mask. Our, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, our our company is not not a big team, so everyone comes in with a mask on, and, and that's fine. And uh, and also our business partners and clients and people external that that will meet have cut down meetings, and so we've switched to meet online or or to meet with phone calls. But for those who really come in like physically they will have a mask on and uh, yeah so so we always have uh, a box of tissue paper for them to, to um, maybe put down their mask if they wish like during the meeting and and also hand sanitizer you know everything is handy for them to use wow so, yeah work-wise is um, going on quite well and so uh, obviously, you are a person who is connected. I, I know this, you know, from your work and um, lucky enough to see some of the things that you've been doing and publishing online. So I know you're connected to a sense of the global community. And mm. as you're watching things happen in other places, how does it feel to you to see, um, I mean, places, frankly, like the US where I am right now, where mm. we don't honestly seem to have things under control 
<laughs> or, you know, like, at least that's my perspective. We don't seem, uh, even where it, when it comes down to wearing a mask, something that feels so simple is quite controversial right now um, mm. in the communities that I know about and I'm connected to here. Um, so as you're yeah. watching that, kind of how does that feel for you and, and um, what do you perceive going on? Mm, that's a good question. I, I don't know like, how to go about it, but um, yeah, it's a very, very cultural thing, I believe. Yeah. And uh, from, from the chats that I've shared with um, some, some other friends around the globe, like, um, yeah, I've been doing a video chat video interview with a city made by people a global mm -hmm. community of people who are enthusiastic about cities and um yeah we regularly get together and talk about the situation and and they're also running this um my city in lockdown video series and that's where i usually see how people in different countries are handling and um yeah i believe it, it it's just fortunate that i'm i'm in a place where wearing face masks is acceptable and, and conventional. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess it's uh, really a matter of perspective and habit and culture, whether, um, whether they adopt a certain way to, to tackle disease or maybe another, another issue. I think it's um, a lot of, um, how do you call it? Like like um, conspiracies or, <laughs> or fake news or, or you know that there, there uh -huh. are a lot, a lot of different uh, weird ways of um, like how to tackle an epidemic. Like even in Hong Kong, um, face mask is a thing that we find acceptable, but but there are also very weird tactics that that people come up with and will will dismiss that. Like for example, um, people in Hong Kong, some some of them are suggesting you can recycle. The surgical masks, um, or, or you can even steam it to to uh, sterilize it or mm. to clean it or whatever. So, so there are very weird tactics that even people in Hong Kong come up with, and and yeah. So some of them maybe um, elderly people, and they they will maybe really find it um, reliable, and they may be tempted to follow these these tactics. But mm. some others are. Yeah, they just find it like oh, it's just a, a it's a it's a joke. So uh, yeah, so it really comes down to what tactics people are open to, and and a matter of habit, I believe. I have to say, it's really nice to talk to someone who doesn't sound as anxious as the people I live around right now. Is <laughs> it mm, <laughs> the anxiety level? Um, so I'm in Minneapolis. Um, mm. so a city, not, not the biggest city for sure, uh, in the U S but a city, um, mm. in the North. And, um, I, I just feel like there's this, uh, sense of anxiety that kind of is around at all times with everyone that I talk to. And it's, and it doesn't sound to me that you are in a place that is feeling as anxious as the place I'm in. Is that mm. right? Yeah, I, oh, I think the the level of anxiety has um, reduced now. I think we are we were the most anxious around like in February or, mm -hmm. or when when we were frantically looking for masks. Yeah, at that time there was short supply, um, and I think that it was when it was the time when other places on Earth isn't that aware of the face mask thing yet. 
But at that time, because of the SARS that we've been through, um, 2003. Yeah. So we kind of know all when in times of pandemic, we need to stock our home with supplies and, and masks and, and groceries. So at that time, it was when people really um, grab everything in the supermarket and, hmm. and try to get hold of whatever face mask that we can buy. And it was the, the shortage of supply that was really making people anxious. But right now, gradually, the supplies is going back to normal and uh, yeah, so so we have we've had enough supplies, and and we feel that the curve is flattening for us. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are less anxious right now. Um, that is, it's really nice to hear, and I'm very happy for you. We, <laughs> I wish I could say the same yeah. about where We're I fortunate. live. Fortunately, well, hopefully, we'll stay. It will stay that way. Yeah, and I hope other other countries will be seeing the end of it soon. Yeah. As yeah. you um, are reaching out around the world and, and making these connections um, to people who tell stories uh, through a city made by people, and um, it just sounds like you're a person interested in making those connections. As, so as you reach out, um, what do you find comforting about the connections that you're making um, and, the, and the relationships and friendships or the colleagues that you meet um, through your kind of global work? Mm, I think it's the the optimism. It also matters a lot. Mm. Now, even in the chats, uh, we get to meet with people in Spain. At that time, it was quite severe and people are really on lockdown for weeks and months on end. Yeah. Um, but even in spite of that, they stay very optimistic and positive. Like Even at least in the core and in our catch-ups, they don't look and sound very, very grim. And, and they're all very... <laughs> Like um, you know, to take the situation quite, quite um, positively, mm-hmm. and they're creative and resilient. Like like yesterday, they um, the city made park people posted a live concert for one hour online. So so I I'm, I really appreciate their creativity to to share joy and and and, and music in times like that. So so they have um, different cities play music like like live. So they they have several cities, um, artists and musicians playing uh, one after another. So mm-hmm. so it's it forms an hour of live music, and yeah, it's really lovely um, that they they think of ways to to endure this crisis, but also um, more enjoy enjoyably. And yeah, I yeah. I like how they how they think of these ways to to make life easier <laughs> for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have found um, what's interesting is immediately there were artists, musicians and other kinds of artists who were finding ways to express that positivity and hope and trying to lift each other's spirits through performance mm. um, and connection online. Um, especially, And that's especially moving to me because arts um, and artists are some of the people who are hit very hard in the economic crises that are going on in countries that have been in lockdown for so long. And mm. you know, the artists, uh, especially performing artists, aren't able to perform in, in group mm-hmm. settings and kind of these big um, events that they might be doing right now. And yet they're also the people online who are bringing us a lot of hope, like you said. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I think is... Uh, 
important thing to recognize and to be grateful for. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, um, as you are in your own community, um, in Hong Kong, what things around you are bringing you hope there? Mm, I think it's this attitude that we don't take this too negatively. Like, um, maybe it's the, it's the hope that you, mm -hmm. that you mentioned. And also, and also that we have seen the most anxious, um, period. So, so we are now seeing the end and we'll soon uh, hopefully um uh whether this very soon so, so so i think it's this um calm that brings us hope and and also um yeah, seeing that the the creativity and people's tactics are working and so so we're able to to put this through i think it's yeah and also the people trying to um live normally like as in as in um, trying to keep on with their daily routines and, and not to be disrupted too much. Like I'm not saying the, the normal as in um, the nine to five routine of going to mm -hmm. office or, or staying at home or working from home. Um, but I'm saying it's the, it's the conscious ability to, to not let this disrupt your life so much. So, yeah. so we still try to work, but maybe from home or maybe flexibly, uh, we still catch up with people, but with smaller groups. That is in Hong Kong, we have this um, temporary rule that we can't gather for more than four people. So, so they enforce this small group policy, but so it's fine. So, so we'll either buy takeaway or we'll just go out in smaller groups. So, but what we, we won't um, let this disrupt us too much or affect our emotions too much negatively so so yeah i think it's the really the hope and and um yeah the attitude that that is making us um get through this easier i'm glad that you uh are experiencing that i i'm i, I we haven't we don't have those uh, orders yet we're not able to um get together in groups yet according to the recommendations by our government. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm like, Oh, that's just around the corner. Okay, great. Leslie's ahead of us <laughs> and hopefully we'll get there, <laughs> um, soon. It really mm. sounds nice to meet in a group of four people. And I can see what you mean about that. Even those small things, um, that you do can really bring you joy. If you let them bring you joy yeah, as actually, opposed the, to focusing on the hard things. Yeah. The, the four people policy was just loosened to eight people yesterday oh. so <laughs> yeah wow. so so in the past when, when the government enforced that people were there were some opposition um especially the elderly people who, who regularly goes to those chinese tea house for mm -hmm. for morning like uh, morning get together so so they they're usually larger groups of people so so they mm -hmm. were quite opposed to this small group policy but now it's loosened to eight people and and yeah, I can accommodate a bigger group. So people don't have to split tables. Huh. That's better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah, slowly, also, slowly things are getting better. Yeah. Yeah. Bars and restaurants are also trying to, to resume business now. Good. Good. Well, I'm um, very glad to hear things are, are feeling more hopeful now. Um, and as we wrap up, I always ask uh, if you have any words of encouragement for someone who is listening now who might need a few uh, kind words today. 
Mm. Um, kind words, I think. Um, it is that actually you can put it through with mm-hmm. um, a positive attitude and um, trying to keep communicating with people you love and, and try to keep in touch with people. Like it's, I know it's very easy to, you know, when you're in isolation, you, you um, drill too much and, and you're um, drowning your own emotions and it's hard to keep up with the level of socializing that, that you used yeah. to. But um, yeah, I think at this time, even remotely, even from home, you can still be productive like whatever it's whatever it's uh, professionally or creatively or, or emotionally you can you can be productive and you can express um your emotions or, or your feelings and you can keep in touch with people you love and you treasure and yeah you can you can keep these valuable relationships and and work going so yeah this is how we'll get through this together yes. Yeah, we will. We will get through it. I'm feeling more hopeful than I was 20 minutes ago. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. It was so wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, me too. Thanks for talking to you. Thank you for listening. And a special thank you to Leslie and Sarah for sharing your stories and connecting with all of us. There are enough episodes of this podcast now that they're starting to have real connections to each other. Sarah and Amelia, Leslie and Maxie. You can check out these connections on the post for this episode at HeyBrentLove.com. If you'd like to connect with Leslie, you can head over to her website, LeslieChung.com. That's L-S-L-E-Y-C-H-E-U-N-G dot com. You'll find our work there as well as links for A City Made by People. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast, head over to HeyBrentLove.com and tap COVID-19 podcast on the menu to send me a note or find me on Instagram at HeyBrentLove. And if you feel like someone you know might feel comforted by hearing these stories of how everyday people are getting through these tough days, please share this podcast with them. Here's a bunch of love to everyone out there. We will get through this together.